0: Welcome to Worldview, a foreign affairs podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Chris Dooley. As relations between Russia and the West plunged, to perhaps their lowest ebb since the Cold War, I'll talk with our Europe editor Patrick Smith about the wave of expulsions of Russian diplomats announced this week. But the first item on our agenda is the arrest on Sunday of the former Catalan president Carlos Puigdemont, who is now in custody in Germany, awaiting a decision on his possible extradition to Spain to face charges arising from the Catalan independence campaign. We'll hear shortly from Guy Hedgcoe in Madrid, but first I'm joined from Berlin by our correspondent there, Derek Scaly. Hi Derek. Hello Chris. So Derek, what, I, what I'd like to explore with you really is the likelihood or otherwise that Germany will extradite Carlos Puigdemont to Spain and, and what the legal considerations at play are. But we might just first recap briefly on, on the circumstances of his arrest. So he, he was picked up near the border with Denmark on Sunday morning.
1: Yes, it's quite a spectacular story. Uh, Mr. Putcherman, as you know, for the last five months has been living in self-imposed exile in Belgium. Um, and the Spanish uh, government, the Spanish Supreme Court, has issued a European arrest warrant saying uh, they want him back uh, before Spanish courts. Um, now he's been living in Belgium, and uh, the Belgians didn't act on this European arrest warrant. And he's been travelling Europe. And on at the weekend, on Friday actually, he was in Finland. He was uh, giving a speech there, and the Spanish, uh, the the Spaniards, um, reissued or uh, updated this arrest warrant, uh, and they uh, this would have gone out to all capitals in the European Union. Uh, by the time uh, the Finns say they saw this arrest warrant or knew who it was about, uh, Mr. Puigdemont had apparently left Finland, and he was taking a 2,000-kilometre road trip from Finland back to Belgium that would have taken him through uh, across to first to Sweden and then into Denmark and then over the border into Schleswig-Holstein, the state of northern Germany. And it was here just after 11 o'clock, just behind the the Danish-German border, that German autobahn police stopped him. They asked him to accompany them to a nearby petrol station, which he did. There were four other people in his car. They were all let go. He was taken to a police station and then on to a uh, prison in Neumunster, which is a town an hour north of Hamburg. And that's where he is today. Um, A court yesterday there uh, confirmed his identity. And they said, it's now up to german uh, prosecutors to look at this european arrest warrant warrant there are three charges uh, and there, just re-
0: before i get into those can i just ask you one question i'm just curious about you may, and you may, i suppose we should clarify one thing i mean the 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 european arrest warrant which was initially issued, was, was withdrawn for a long period, so the Belgian police probably didn't have, didn't have any grounds to arrest him. But it was reissued on Friday, as you just said. And then he was in Finland, he travelled through Denmark, and then he was picked up in Germany. Why do you think the German police acted when the Finns clearly didn't? I don't know if the Danes knew he was passing through, but, but at least two countries that he, he passed through. Uh, but it was the Germans who arrested him. Why Germany, do you think?
1: Well, there are two versions I've heard so far. One coming out of Spain is that uh, Spanish intelligence had some sort of a tracking device, maybe a GPS device on his car, and that they were uh, monitoring his movements and they were possibly letting people in Finland, Sweden and in Denmark know. But they, for whatever reason, they, they chose not to act. As soon as across the border, though, the German peace, police pounced and the, the, the interior minister Uh, Ministry here in Berlin was quizzed about this at the government press conference yesterday. They refused to confirm or deny any talk of uh, intelligence cooperation between Spain and Germany. Um, But what they said is, well, if there's a European arrest warrant and it's active, it's the job of police to act on the arrest warrant, not to go into the whys or wherefores, the justifications or otherwise of that arrest warrant. That's a matter for the prosecutors and the courts. So the Interior Ministry say we had an arrest warrant, we were given information as to where we could find this person. We, the police, did their job.
0: And so, Derek, I cut across you down there. You were you were about to explain the three charges that Pujdemon potentially faces. So, just remind us what are those, and then what are there? Are are these grounds under which Germany might likely extradite somebody to a, another country to another, say, EU member state?
1: Yes. Well, the European arrest warrant exists, exists since 2004, and it's supposed to simplify uh, the transfer of European citizens from one EU country to another uh, where, they're, where they're sought in relation to a criminal investigation. Now, for a simple procedure, it's actually quite complicated. Now, there are certain uh, grounds on which uh, people have to be handed over immediately. Serious things like terrorism uh, and that there is no wriggle room there. But then there are other lesser grounds um, which then the courts have to look closer. And these uh, three reasons, these three charges seem to fall under that. So We have rebellion, we have sedition and we have embezzlement. And uh, this, is the, this is where it gets complicated. So the, the prosecutors here have 60 days to look at these three charges and what they have to do is find other uh, equivalent charges on the German statute books. And if so, then is this justified? Is this sort of a one-to-one uh, legal a judicial one-to-one? And um, sedition, uh, sort of rebellion against the state is uh, was removed from the German statute books 50 years ago. So I, the German prosecutors I've spoken to said that probably won't be a grounds. And on the two remaining charges, embezzlement is the only one where there's definitely a one-to-one exchange. Um, Treason charges, uh, which are also mentioned by the Spaniards, Uh, under German law there is treason, but you have to be, uh, the perpetrator has to have links to violence or incite to violence and nobody believes Mr Puigdemont has been inciting sort of violent treason. So it it could come down to this embezzlement charge and um, the German authorities have said, well, uh, we believe the Spaniards, Spain is a rule of law. We believe there's an independent judiciary and it's not for governments to get involved. This is an independent um, matter for Spain and for Catalonia, and um, they just say, we're not going to get involved. We will let the judicial process, the European US arrest warrant process, uh, run its course, and Mr. Butch will spend Easter in uh, prison yesterday uh, the court said we there's a danger that he might leave the country so he will spend Easter at least in in uh, in custody in prison and this could go on for several weeks because even when if and when the state prosecutor recommends uh to proceed with this and even then if the court in Germany agrees to hand him over he can then appeal that decision right up to Germany's highest court the constitutional court so this could go on for months.
0: Um, and I suppose we should say, in fairness to Mr Pushamon, on the, the embezzlement charge as I understand it anyway Derek relates to alleged misuse of public funds and holding a referendum which the Spanish uh, courts had Deemed illegal, so it's not that anybody's saying he, he, you know, he, no, he it's, it's, it's
1: obviously it's mm. charges. But the the, the 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 key point there is, it's not for the German court to actually hold a trial and decide whether or not they think he is guilty or innocent. They just have to look and see. Yes, we have an embezzlement uh, statute on our statute books, and the embezzlement exists, so there is an equivalent there. And one final thing I should mention is, they have to be confident on the European arrest warrant. It, it works on the basis of mutual trust. Judges in Spain have. To be convinced that he will get a fair trial under uh, their judicial colleagues in Spain, uh, we have heard some people criticising uh, the Spanish courts, saying that they are they've become quite political in this standoff between Barcelona and Madrid. Uh, it'll be interesting if his lawyers perhaps try to play that card that uh, perhaps uh, judicial independence no longer exists. And German law actually forbids a judge uh, sending somebody to another country where they, uh, there is a risk that they won't face a fair trial. So lots of things to argue about. So. This uh, won't be over uh, today, tomorrow or even next week. This is going to, I'd say, run and run.
0: And and this leads me, Derek, to my last question to you, which is that, I mean, this is a judicial process, but it's hard to see it not having political ramifications at some point, isn't that right? Whichever way this goes, there's going to be some kind of political blowback. Would you agree?
1: Indeed. I mean, the the German government were yesterday insisting this is an independent judicial procedure. The police did their job. It's now up to the prosecutors and the judges to do their job and it's... Uh, it's not our job to get involved. But yes, behind the scenes there's sort of a, a gritting their teeth saying this is something we did, really didn't need because um, it's uh, like there's the standoff in, in Spain. There doesn't seem to be any good way out of this. And opinion in Germany is quite divided. There is quite a few. There's a groundswell of support for uh, the Catalonia separatist campaign and um, the left party, the opposition left party called his detention disgrace. The Greens are saying this is now why we need EU mediation. Until now, the EU and Germany, nobody has really wanted to get involved. They all say it's an internal matter. But perhaps now that uh, Europe's largest member state has been dragged into this, perhaps that will change opinion about whether or not the EU needs to get involved, because I think everyone agrees both sides uh, are sticking to their positions. Uh, it seems quite entrenched, quite emotional. And if nobody's giving any ground, the idea of uh, of resolving this seems uh, seems bleak.
0: Derek, thanks for that. Um, I'm going to go now to Guy Hitchcock in Madrid for an assessment on the potential impact of this and other developments of recent days on the on the Catalan independence campaign. Uh, Guy, before we get into the implications of the latest developments, including what happened in the Spanish courts on, on Friday, I think some new information has come out today, Tuesday, about the how Spanish intelligence agencies tracked Carlos Puigdemont and his movements as he was crossing the border into Germany. Can you, can you tell us something about that?
2: Yes, that's right. What the reports we're hearing are that uh, a, an electronic tracking device was uh, used on the car that uh, Puigdemont was traveling in. And that seems to have been possibly um, the, the way that he was, uh, he was stopped and arrested, or that helped possibly the German police um, with the cooperation of the Spanish uh, police to, to track him down. And we also heard that previously a, a member of uh, Puigdemont's security detail Um, had found a tracking device on Puigdemont's car on another occasion and had removed it. So clearly they, they were aware that this was an issue and that the Spanish security services were following him very closely.
0: Now, his detention, as we know, has caused a lot of anger among pro independent supporters in Catalonia. And there were clashes between riot police and protesters in Barcelona on Sunday night. But the anger didn't really begin on Sunday. It was initially triggered by developments on Friday um, before the Spanish Supreme Court. And I think we should recap on that. Can you remind us just what happened in the courts there on Friday?
2: Yes, that's right. The the Supreme Court uh, decided to formalize charges of rebellion against 13 Catalan politician, politicians, including uh, Puigdemont, um, and also including Jordi Turul, who um, was the, uh, the choice, at uh, the latest choice as candidate to become president of Catalonia. Um, and on Thursday, he had tried and failed to to win a first round investiture vote in the Catalan Parliament. Um, So a total of these 13 politicians uh, facing charges of rebellion, a total uh, altogether of 25 facing uh, charges of various different types, criminal charges. And perhaps most dramatically um, on Friday, five Catalan politicians were actually imprisoned uh, following the the formalizing of those charges. Um, So, that, when that was announced, that in itself uh, created a good deal of outrage and anger uh, up in Catalonia.
0: And and so those five who were imprisoned on, on Friday, I think we already had four um, independence leaders or campaigners already in prison in Spain, waiting charges, Puigdemont is now in custody in Germany, as we know. So what impact is all of this having Guy on the independence campaign?
2: You know, logistically, you know, when they, when they have uh, their leaders in prison or leaving the country, all these judicial decisions are bad for morale for the the independence movement, clearly. But at the same time, they tend to cause a kind of backlash very soon afterwards. And they tend to seem to unite the independence movement um, very quickly in terms of getting people out onto the streets. Now, that's one thing. Another thing is how united the independence movement is on a political level, that's rather more complex.
0: And do we know, Guy, what impact it's having on public opinion in Catalonia? Is it still pretty much, I mean, is there any sort of change in support levels for the independence movement?
2: Well, I haven't seen any polls um, since uh, all these these judicial decisions were issued. The, the sense I get is that the, the two sort of positions, the, the the unionist position and the pro-independence one in Catalonia, are so kind of carved in concrete at the moment, if you like, and have been since sort of last autumn, last October, when everything kicked off with the independence referendum and then the fallout from that, that it takes a lot to, to change them a great deal. I would be I would be quite surprised if there was any major change in um, the support for either side, which is pretty much split down the middle.
0: And as you mentioned now, we will probably see more street protests. But what about at a political level? What options are now open to the independence movement? Where can they go from here?
2: Well, I mean, one of the the priorities has to be uh, for the independence movement to try and form a new government, something which it's been trying to do since the end of December when we had that election. Um, The pro-independence parties narrowly uh, won a majority in the parliament. And then since then, they have presented three separate candidates to lead the region and each one of them has run into the opposition of the Spanish judiciary, which each time has not allowed the candidate to be approved. Now, they've got to decide whether they continue this policy of presenting candidates who are acceptable to the pro-independence base, but who nonetheless face the opposition of the, the Spanish judiciary. Or the, the independence movement would have to sort of make a compromise and find a new candidate who is free of uh, judicial charges, is not either not in prison, is not uh, in uh, exile and has no kind of uh, legal problems whatsoever, a so-called clean candidate, um, which might cause problems for um, Cantillans among the, the, the pro-independence base but would allow um, them to form a government. It's difficult at the moment to see a way out of this because um, the, the clock is, is ticking now. There are two months until a, ca- a new candidate has to be presented. If the new candidate is not, then new elections will be called, which will be held sometime in July, probably.
0: And I mean, on the, on the Madrid side, I mean, since the, the Catalan declaration, the Indip- the unilateral declaration of independence by the Catalan Parliament last October when Puigdemont was president, the response from Madrid has been, as you know, really uncompromising. Does does the Spanish government sort of feel it has crushed, effectively crushed the independence movement at this point? Or or might there be a concern that it has, in fact, overplayed its hand?
2: You know, not many people would accuse the Spanish government of moderation in all of this uh, this crisis. But um, you have to bear in mind that The other factors around the Spanish government, the other influences, which includes the the right wing press in Madrid, for example, the right wing of the governing popular party, um, which is very stridently unionist uh, and to a certain extent, public opinion, which in many cases wants to see a strong response. And perhaps most important of all, the the response of Ciudadanos, which is the other party on the political right, sort of vying with the Popular Party at the moment for control of the right, and which has done extremely well uh, over the last few months on the back of the polarization um, caused by the Catalan crisis. And so the Spanish government, perhaps its its instinct may not have been to um, to have behaved uh, as stridently as it has, but it. It seems to have felt the need to, partly because of all these factors swirling around it. Now, this is a very long game and the Spanish government has to be aware now that um, it's not going to be resolved in the near future. And it surely can see that using the courts alone is not going to resolve this.
0: Okay, Guy, we'll leave it there for now. Thanks a lot for that. And now to that story of rising tensions between Russia and the West as Ireland, today, Tuesday became the latest EU member state to join in the wave of expulsions of Russian diplomats announced this week in the wake of the nerve agent attack in Britain earlier this month on a former Russian spy. Patrick Smith, our Europe editor, joins me now from Brussels. Um, Paddy, when Theresa May, the British Prime Minister, told the House of Commons on the 12th of March that her government had concluded that Russia was behind the attack on Sergei Skripal and his his daughter Yulia, there was initially a kind of mixed response from its European allies. And and then we got a a fairly strong statement of support from EU leaders their summit in Brussels last week. What changed over that period of time?
3: Well, I think that they were always prepared to uh, support the line that they took at, at the summit, which was that it was highly likely that the Russians uh, were were responsible for the attack. And only a few member states uh, actually uh, at that stage said, well, we're not sure, highly likely perhaps, but uh, the, we're not sure it's certain. And, and it's those few states uh, who are, now reluctant to go on with the with the subsequent protest, the withdrawal of ambassadors, uh, we, we see uh, countries like Greece and Cyprus, uh, which have had traditionally very strong links with the Russians, uh, re- declining to um, fire uh, fire out uh, diplomats and, and and a few others. Uh, some countries uh, have split over the issue. The the Czech government uh, has said that it's going to expel three uh, diplomats, but the president has uh, denounced it and said that they shouldn't do so. Uh, It's it's interesting because it's opening up some of the um tension lines within the community about attitudes to Russia.
0: As I mentioned, Ireland there has announced um, today it's expelling one diplomat. I think we had 14 EU member states mentioned uh, on Monday. Is that still the kind of overall picture? Are we talking about 15 or is it even broader than that now?
3: I think it's a total with Ireland of 17 at the moment. The the numbers keep changing as as countries get their act together. And the Irish uh, have have pushed the figure up to to 17. And and, uh, last night it was 47. Diplomats in total. I would imagine it's now up over fifty.
0: And how much of this patty is about, you know, politics? Uh, I mean, how much of it is about EU leaders say at their summit last Friday being convinced by compelling evidence presented to them, or how much of it is about about politics? Is, is Brexit, for example, a factor in all of this?
3: I, I think it's a bit of both. I, I think the evidence is pretty compelling uh, from from all the accounts one's had of it, uh, and and the Russian uh, dissembling is is really not helping. But I, I think they're probably delighted to be able to prove to the world that actually there isn't a sort of vindictive knee-jerk desire to hurt the Brits now that they're leaving. And, and so it's an opportunity to make a point that they've been making all along, uh, that actually uh, they, they value Britain's association with the Union and they don't want to see it leave. And, you, you know, Mrs. May is making a great deal of this solidarity, but it's actually it's on the other side uh, of the argument uh, to, to hers.
0: And uh, of course, Patty, it's not just a European um, issue. The United States announced yesterday it's expelling 60 diplomats. Canada is expelling diplomats, Russian diplomats, and so on. You're a long time observer of international affairs in Europe and beyond. Where do you think this standoff between Russia and the West is going? I mean, how, how serious is it, do you think?
3: Well, there's also Ukraine and, and Albania, uh, interestingly, in Europe, but not members of the European Union. I think the the reality is that that this uh, is going to leave leave a a rather rancorous relationship for some time. But then as as these things in the past have have done, it will pass. Uh, The the Russians and the Europeans will have to do business and they will find a way within, I would say, a few months uh, to put things back uh, together again.
0: So, in terms of, I mean, this is not in terms of, say, the Cold War or uh, the the Russian in, in, um, annexation of Crimea. I'm just kind of wondering where you'd place this crisis in terms of, you know, crisis over the long term.
3: Well, I think it's it's perhaps akin to the the Crimean thing, uh, and and Europe still has sanctions against Russia over the invasion of Crimea. Uh, so, I, I think it's it's a similar sort of of incident. I don't think that it's it's like the Cold War that we. We can imagine somehow we're on the verge of going to war uh, with each other. Uh, That's not the case. But it's undoubtedly a reflection of the fact that, for example, in in the Baltics, there is considerable nervousness about uh, the Russian uh, uh, taunting of of the Baltic republics uh, along their border, uh, the incursions into, into Baltic airspace and the like, which have been going on for a while. And and that's part of the reason for the strength of of solidarity, is that um, other people have been affected by Russian behavior on a larger or smaller uh, scale.
0: And finally, Paddy, something you alluded to there earlier, um, I was going to ask you about it. in any case. Vladimir Putin has shown himself, I think, to be a master at sowing division among his opponents and so on. Uh, do you think Europe and the European Union and, and Europe, uh, Western Europe can maintain a united front in this?
3: Well, I think so. But it's, what is one of the things that's striking is that this is a decision taken by individual member states. It would not have been possible for a decision to have emerged from the summit collectively to, uh, to, to to take measures of this kind, because it, all it required is one one vote uh, to, to break the unanimity requirement. Uh, I think that Putin will continue to be a thorn in their side. Uh, one of the interesting things that happened in the course of the last couple of days is, is Matteo Salvini, uh, who's the leader of the Northern League in Italy, and who's very right wing but uh, has has strong connections with uh, Russia and uh, with Putin it came out against Italian support for for the expulsions he is likely to be uh, in the next uh, Italian government um, and so it is likely that we will see a strengthening if anything of the, the uh, of the, the pro-russian sympathies in the Italian European Council
0: okay patty thanks for that we'll leave you there That's it for this week. For more on these and other stories, go to irishtimes.com. Thanks for listening. Goodbye for now.